You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. So, welcome to Advent. Come on, people. (laughs) Say, welcome to Advent, Carolyn. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In the Christian year, um, Advent is a season of waiting, but there's an expectancy to it. It's not just sort of drumming your fingers. It's an expectancy to see the sense of something up ahead that's wonderful. And so it's not meant, Christmas is not meant, the season of Advent is not meant to be a reenactment of Jesus coming, but of the assurance given that the Christ who has come is coming again. That's, that's the, 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 that through his coming, God has got this and that the Messiah is coming again. That's the great expectation. And so the season is meant to be about waiting and watching and listening for signs of the inbreaking kingdom and the ultimate coming of the Prince of Peace when he makes all things right again and we all get back to the other side of Genesis 3. Thanks be to God. And that's what has me interested in that little Christmas song. We just sang a verse of it a few minutes ago. Do you hear what I hear? That's a great song. It sold, I mean, I don't know, tens of millions of copies, and probably a hundred different artists have covered it. Um, but what, what interests me is the, is the story behind it. Um, so the song came out in October 1962. Any guesses about what was going on in 1962? The Bay of Pigs. The Bay of Pigs. Ann Norton, people, give the woman a hand. <laughs> it was the year... What? what? You were being born? Okay, well, that too, but that's probably not what this song was about. It was a different song. Um, we'll get to that song next week. Anyway, it's the Cuban Missile Crisis. The conflict between the U.S. and Russia over the Russian placement of missiles in Cuba, that meant that for the first time, missiles were within shooting distance of American soil. And by 1962, that, that crisis was at a boiling point, and that's when Noel Regney and Gloria Shane were invited to produce a Christmas song. Not specifically about the Cuban Missile Crisis, they were just invited to, to produce a Christmas song, but they were a little hesitant because they weren't into the commercialization of Christmas, so they, they just weren't sure if they wanted to do that. But Noel was a veteran of World War II, not as an American soldier, but as a German soldier. He was in World War II, he, was, he, he fought on, with the Germans until he defected and became part of the French underground resistance movement for the remainder of the war and then came to the United States. So he understood war. And the prospect of another war was particularly painful for him, weighed heavily. And that's what was on his mind one night when he was walking through the streets of Manhattan thinking about this offer to write a Christmas song. And he saw these two, they were, he called them babies, sitting in strollers, and they were playing with each other. And something in that scene, you know, everybody's, the whole world was weighing, had the, you know, the, the prospect of war was weighing heavily. The whole world felt like it was about to fall apart. But there were these two children 
just completely clueless about all of that, just playing with each other. And, and somehow that simple moment created in his spirit a hope and a prayer. And by the time he got home, he had written the whole Christmas song in his head. So the wind whispers to a little lamb, and a little lamb whispers to a little boy, and a boy whispers to a king. And a king tells the world, pray for peace, people everywhere. That line, pray for peace, people everywhere, that was the line. That, that carried the whole song, carried that one line for them. Pray for peace, people everywhere. So in that spirit, they wrote this song. It was meant to be a prayer for peace, nestled inside a word of hope. And in that spirit, I want to pray for us. So we you bow your head, close your eyes, and let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, in this season, I, I want to see us alive to the whispers of hope. I'm moved by that, that line, do you hear what I hear? And we were just there, we were just there as we sang this song, just in the silence, listening for your voice, God. And I have such a sense that you have a word for every one of us every one of us, a call, and that every one of us has access to these signs of the inbreaking kingdom. Jesus. We're also sitting in this bizarre place where Russia is again threatening peace in the world. So we pray for peace. We pray that this Christmas there would be peace on earth. And we pray that this Christmas there would be peace on earth and also peace in our spirits. Speak peace over the chaos, God, wherever it exists. In Nigeria, where Muslims and Christians are fighting in Ukraine, where Russians and Ukrainians are fighting in third world countries where needs and poverty are at war, and in our homes and on our streets and in our own country where there seems to be this bizarre cold war happening where there's so much dissension. We pray for peace, for deep and real peace, God, for signs of the inbreaking kingdom. Lord, give us a longing for the one who longs for us and bring peace. And, that, and right now, as we open this word together, God, looking for real comfort, we pray that you would give us ears to hear you in the word, eyes to see you, and a heart to receive all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
So we start today with Isaiah chapter 40. So if you've got your Bible, if you'll find a place, turn to Isaiah chapter 40, where the prophet calls on God's people to prepare the way for his Messiah. Um, and, and for the Jewish people, this is a familiar moment, Isaiah 40. It sort of harkens back to Isaiah 1, where they were finding themselves wondering if God was going to help them out of a rough place, and that Isaiah 1 really harkens back to Exodus where the people wondered if they were going to get to come out of exile. But here again in this place in Isaiah 40, in this place where they've seen things fall apart again, there is a whisper of hope because the God who has seen them through before is the same God who is with them now. And maybe that's a word for somebody before we ever even get into the message. I want you to hear that the God who was with you before is the same God who's with you now. So there's a sense that God might come through again, and he does. The opening line in Isaiah 40 is a word of comfort from the heart of God. I'm going to read the entire passage for you, and then we're going to go back and we're going to pull it apart. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. This is Isaiah 1 through, through 8. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. I want you to circle the word completed. That her sin has been paid for and she has received from the Lord's hand, underline this next phrase, double for all her sins. And the next to verse three, I want you to write John the Baptist. He is the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. I want you to circle the word together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then a voice says, cry out, and I say, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord endures forever. That is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. That's a profound line. In that one little line is the character of God on full display, his love, his mercy, his grace, his kindness, his unlimited capacity to not just forgive, but to see beyond our limits to his potential. This is God reminding his people that as bad as our sins are, as rough our history, as desolate our moral fiber compared with the holy, holy God, as true as all of that is, none of it is the last word over our lives. Amen. Comfort, comfort my people in that way, says God. This is the story that the prophet Hosea tells us. Maybe you remember we studied it last year. Hosea's, last, or Hosea's name means redemption. Do you remember? And as a prophetic act, Hosea, whose name means redemption, was asked to give his heart, was asked to give his heart to a prostitute named Gomer, whose name means complete. Don't miss the fact that she was a prostitute, that Hosea had asked, been asked not just to marry, but to give his heart to a prostitute. So redemption was asked to marry complete. So he did, and they had a child together, and God told him to name that child Jezreel, 
which means I will plant, God will plant, which means God is always seeing potential where we only see limits. Where we see a barren field, God sees beneath the surface to the seeds that are taking root. Where we see a virgin, God sees a Messiah. That first child was named Jezreel, God will plant, but after that first child, there were two other children, and it isn't clear at all whether they were Hosea's children, but from the names God gave them, it sounds like that uh, Gomer had gone running again. The second child was named Not Loved, and the third child was named Not My People. Those are hard names to carry. But in Hosea's story, there's a prophetic assurance that these names are not forever. In Hosea 2.23, I will plant her for myself in the land, and I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. And I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. So when Isaiah says for God, comfort my people, he is speaking a prophetic word over them of redemption. Friends, God might tear us apart, but he also heals us. He has no intention of leaving us standing there abandoned on the auction block. He can't. And it isn't just because the perfect character of a holy God doesn't allow him to be fickle. That's not it. God's faithfulness is not just God being good for his word, although I suspect a lot of us hear it that way. No, we, 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 we figure he takes us on because he has to. Because he, because he promised. But God's faithfulness is so much more than that. He has given our, his heart to us. God's faithfulness is God's constant, unrelenting pursuit of you. God's faithfulness is God's never for a moment abandoning you. God loving you like the kind of parent you always wanted or wanted to be. And here is Isaiah Speaking for the Lord when he says, comfort my people. And there isn't just any old comfort he's wanting us to generate up. This is, this is a holy comfort that's more than consolation, more than kissing a, a child's hurt place when she falls down. This isn't someone comforting you while you endure pain. Anybody here have a dog who hates rain and thunder? Or have you ever had one? It's a horrible thing to have a dog like that. I mean, no, we love the dog. But oh, we had a dog named Phoebe who absolutely hated rain and thunder. And we got one of those thunder blankets. Have you heard of those? Thunder jackets. And the first time I put that thunder blanket on her, when I put it on her, she just sank into the kitchen floor like she had just done something illegal. <laughs> It's like she just went completely limp. The comfort of God isn't even like that. It's, it's, it's complete peace. It's not just somebody wrapping you up, hoping the storm will pass. It's complete healing, completeness, which is to say we're not abandoned. There is a kind of comfort that actually comforts. Let them know they've not been abandoned, God says. Let them know I've not stopped caring. Give them an assurance that real comfort is just up ahead. We're his people, and his salvation is our ultimate comfort. Comfort, comfort, my people, says the Lord. 
Look, ver- look at verse two. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. Notice that word and remember Hosea's story and Gomer's name that means complete, even before she was. Proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed and that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That's a word, first of all, for Jerusalem, but then for all who trust in Jerusalem's Messiah. And it is a lavish word, double for all our sins. This is the nature of God's redemption. It's what John said when he talked about grace upon grace. The Hebrew word for forgiveness is related to, and sometimes interchanged with, a word that means to lift up. I want you to hear that. The Hebrew word for forgiveness is related to, sometimes interchanged with, a word that means to lift up. As in, if I, the Son of Man, be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. There is a sense in that word of taking hold of something and lifting it up. That the, it's a brilliant word. The best practices of conflict management tell us that the win is not in proving the other person wrong, but in lifting the other person up. When I hear this, that definition about being lifted up, you know what comes to my mind? The image that comes to my head is of those old um, Tide commercials. Maybe they still have them. I don't watch, I don't see these commercials, but but where they, they give you the graphic of the dirt magically lifting out of the, out of the fabric, you know? It's like you go out, you, you get grime everywhere, your, your five-year-old kid gets grime everywhere, and then just magically it just lifts out. The dirt just lifts out. The dirt is gone, the material's like new again. By grace, through faith in the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus in his most distressing disguise, high and lifted up. We have been lifted up out of our sin and have received grace on top of grace on top of grace. We are not abandoned, friends. There is salvation for those who sin. Yeah. Us and everyone we know who calls on the name of the Lord. We are set Right, Paul says this in Romans chapter 5. This is, the, this is the message version. Set right with God by means of the sacrificial death, the, the consummate blood sacrifice. There is no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way if when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son. The NIV says, uh, bef- um, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now that we're at our best, just think how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, we are no longer content to simply say it in plodding prose. We sing and shout our praises to God through Jesus the Messiah. This is the great gift of grace. It lifts us up and sets us on a path toward freedom. Freedom to to let others be who they are. 
without imposing unholy expectations on them to be who you need them to be so you can get your needs met. Freedom from legalism, freedom from self, freedom from shame, freedom to love people, really love them. The way Hosea loved was told, give your whole heart to Gomer while she is still a sinner. Even those who aren't already there yet, without tagging them somehow as less than. Freedom to finally forgive people. Freedom from the power of sin. Freedom to serve and glorify Christ. Freedom to participate in welcoming and advancing a kingdom built on the unconditional love and grace of a good and faithful God. Friends, with the coming of Christ, your sin has been paid for. You have received from the Lord's hand double for all your sins. That deserves some celebration. So come on, folks. Hallelujah. John Wesley once wrote, Oh, that we may all receive of Christ's fullness, grace upon grace, grace to pardon all our sins, to complete that holy change, that renewal of our hearts, transformed into the ones we were created to be. So uncover that person in us, Lord. That person marked by holy greatness. That person who is there already, who only needs to be lifted up, to be discovered and restored. Take away, Lord, take away the shame and the guilt. And lift us up, Lord, to that higher place where we also can know the joy of holy comfort. And can know the joy of giving comfort, real comfort to your people. May it be so. Amen. Is that your prayer today? Are you ready to be lifted up out of your sin and your shame, your feet set on a higher place, your soul open to the comfort of God? Isaiah says, verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. That's the definition of Christmas in 140 characters. Let's say this together. Christmas. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. Christmas is the announcement that a new road has been opened up for people stuck in the valley and for people who have mountains to climb and for people walking through rough places. There is a way out, Isaiah says, and it's not an obscure footpath, it's a highway. And it's not a highway being constructed that's going to take a billion years to finish and stays under construction for way too long. It's done. Scientists have a theory about the oldest light in the universe. From a strictly physical standpoint, they say the first light happened as the universe expanded and cooled. As that happened... Particles began to pool together, and atoms were formed. And this is the way scientists put it. It cleared a sort of roadway that allowed radiation, light, to travel through space. 
And here in Isaiah, voicing in poetry what science has theorized, a highway for our king. This is Christ, the host of creation, who has cleared a highway through which light can now travel. Jesus levels the ground, flattens mountains, raises valleys, pays for every sin. There is no equal. Friends, help has arrived, and his name is Jesus. We are not abandoned. There is a way through. So whatever our pain, whatever our sin, Whatever our desperation, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are lifted up out of darkness and carried through. God has carved a road. He has made a way out of no way. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, verse 5, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I'm particularly interested in that word, together. The Hebrew word for together is derived from a word that means one and only. Isn't that curious? The Hebrew word for together is derived from a word that means one and only. But according to Hebrew Word Lessons, which is a website for teaching Hebrew, it actually means we are all one and onlys together. <laughs> we are meant to apply our uniqueness. This is their words. We are meant to apply our uniqueness in community. And you're thinking, she just made that up because she likes community a lot and she's always trying to find a way to get around to it. But some things you just can't make up. As it turns out, glory is actually a community affair. We are not abandoned. We can see the glory of the Lord together. Do you want to see the glory of the Lord? I mean, do you? Do you want to see the glory of the Lord? I'm asking. About a quarter of you evidently want to see the glory of the Lord. <laughs> if you want to see the glory of the Lord, then learn the treasure that is messy, joyful, redemptive community. God has given to us the work of being little Christ for each other, to comfort each other, to comfort everybody's, every one and only in this room, his one and onlys. This is brilliant to me. This is brilliant. This is the antidote. Listen, this is the antidote to comfortable church. So our call is not to be comfortable, but to be comfort. And here's where glory resides. It resides not in passivity, but in vulnerability. Not in self-serving, but in self-giving. The glory of the Lord is revealed in our togetherness. All our one and onlys being together. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas, one and only. We will find the inbreaking kingdom when we search for it together in each other. And now a voice cries out, verse 6. A voice cries out, and I said, What shall I cry? Well, all you want and only is your light grass. There's the downside. All your faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord, the very breath of the Lord, blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Which means I might not make it in this physical form, 
But the word of God, if I cling to the word of God, I can see my way through to eternity. The word that carved out of nothing a way through, that word that was with God from the beginning, that was, that was God, the living word, the word made flesh, who himself experienced the birth of salvation, that word invites us to let him speak the ultimate word of comfort into our lives, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ the word of God for the people of God, and it endures forever. Friends, we are not abandoned. There is something we can depend on. It is the word of God. 700 years before John would become the voice crying in the wilderness, Isaiah would preach the good news of God's Messiah. And after he has preached it, he will ask if we can hear it. Skip to the end of chapter 40. Verse 28, do you not know? Have you not heard? Do you hear what I hear? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths will grow tired and weary. And young men will stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, who get their comfort from the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Do you hear the good news in that? My nap-taking, Thanksgiving dinner-eating friends. Do you hear the kingdom coming in on these words, renewing your spirit? Do you hear the hope? There is comfort. There is salvation. There is a way through. He has built a highway through your desert. There is glory up ahead. We're not abandoned. There is a future filled with hope for us, which means that the communion table is not, come on, bring that stuff to me. It's not a memorial, but a foretaste of the coming kingdom and a glimpse into the heart of God. So these elements, these are a foretaste of good things to come. They tell the story of a Messiah who has died, who has risen, who will come again to establish the kingdom on earth. This word made flesh is God. And he has come for the sake of his people. He is a missionary God. Why should we declare his glory? Because from the very beginning, his heart has been for us. He has never failed us. He didn't give us what we deserve. He gave to us out of his splendor, out of his glory, out of his greatness, out of his heart. Most perfectly spoken through Jesus Christ on the cross. Will you stand? Mm. I want so much for every person, every person in this room to be able to tell that story of how you came to worship the God who pulled your life up out of the pit, who comforted you with real comfort, 
who poured over your life grace upon grace upon grace further than the curse could be found. Proclaim his glory. Tell of his salvation. Give him the glory do his name. This is our mandate to declare, to, to declare his glory among the nations. And so Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, you who were, who are, and who will, and who are to come. Christ forever. Whose word was from the beginning. Christ Jesus, our Savior. We give you thanks. Thank you for making all things new. Thank you for building a highway for us. Thank you for loving us so much that you would first traverse that highway on our behalf and find yourself suffering the worst kind of suffering for us. And that you did not leave us, you did not abandon us to our sin. Thank you. Thank you that in our exile, you came for us. Your body broken, that we might have life. Your blood poured out, that we might know what it means to be whole. Pour out your spirit over these gifts and make them be for us the very body and blood of Christ. That we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Make us one, God, together. One and only together complete, comforted, holy, because you are. Until Christ comes again in his final victory and we feast at that heavenly banquet table, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, with your Holy Spirit and your holy church. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.